The Olympics are coming, right? You guys excited about that? It wasn't too bad, actually. I mean, it wasn't really meant to. Hey, that worked. That worked all right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Hey, my name is Greg Peterson. I'm the executive pastor here, and I just uh, want to welcome you. Welcome those that are listening online, uh, maybe listening later on the podcast. Uh, just excited to be with you today. Thank you, Ben and team and Kevin, for leading this morning us into that worship and uh, great experience there. But yes, the Olympics are coming, and I'm excited about it. I love, I love the Olympics. I, I do. There's something about these phenomenal athletes um, all competing together from, you know, all these countries that I don't even know exist um, and can't pronounce. Um, and, and coming together, all these, you know, the work that they put into it, everything that's going, these world-class class athletes competing at the biggest stage. And it, it's, it's exciting to me. There's something really cool and exciting about it. I, the only thing I don't like about it is I, I, it's hard for me I, to capture really how great they are, like when they're like the sprinters. Like, they're all great, so they all kind of run fast, and one guy wins by one millionth of a second. I mean, let's put average Joe in there with them, right? Like, I'm good with, like, Kevin and Catherine, like, flying them out there, and they, like, have them participate. You know, because, I mean, they're athletic, they're good, you know, and have them in there so that we can see really how good these athletes are. No, no offense. No, I mean, no offense. But, but yeah, I mean, I, sometimes you see all of it, and it's like, ah, whatever, a bunch of guys running fast. But to really see the, um, just how phenomenal these uh, athletes are. And uh, well, the part I love about the Olympics, even more than the, the I mean, obviously, I'm not super athletic, so I'm not getting competitive. So the, but the stories behind it. The stories, you know, with the soft music playing in the background, and you're like, oh, teary, and all that. You know, there's no running water, and they're, you know, all this. And, you know, they have these stories behind this, and it captures your heart of, of what all these things that they've done to overcome to get to that level. The, the things that they have had to persevere through, the journeys that they had to walk through, the things that they had to do when no one was looking for years and years and years for this 10 seconds that they're going to be on national worldwide platform. There's the amount of sacrifices that are made by the family, by, and there, there's just something that engages me and I think in us in those stories. You know, there's something about that that, that I think speaks into the voids in our life, the, the things that we're struggling through, the things that we're walking through. It gives us hope when we see someone has persevered and overcome. And it gives us the strength to be like, you know what? That habit that I have, I think I can break it now. That goal that I've been setting for myself, you know what? I think that I've seen someone else persevere and walk through and, and achieve. You know what? It gives us strength. We receive strength from that. We can connect with that and see those things and just kind of really just engage with them, I think, at a deep level. And it might be even things that are like, you know, our, my marriage or my relationship with my kids. There's things that just like for the long haul that it's just hard to do sometimes that gives us that strength and we connect with those stories. Those same qualities of perseverance, endurance, continuing to run the race are also applicable to our life, our faith journey as well. Our faith walk with, with Christ and just the, what that looks like and the journey of that. And this morning, I want to talk about that this, as we spend some time together here. And I want to use a letter that was written to the early persecuted church. 
And it's found in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12. I'll actually put the verse up. Um, it's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, if you want to turn there a while. But this is, the, to set the stage here, this is a church, it's an early church, who is, who is being persecuted for their faith, literally being beaten, literally being in prison, literally being killed if you say you confess in Jesus Christ. So this, this author, the scholars aren't sure who the real author of this is. There's, you know, ideas. But so the author is writing to this early church, and he's, he wants to encourage them. He wants to spur them on. He wants to say, you know what, guys? You're under great persecution. But I want to write these words to you to spur you on. And my hope and my desire for this morning is that you feel that too, that we can take these same words to your walk, your journey, whatever you're facing right now, and to be able to say, yes, I can take these principles that this author wrote to this early church and apply them to our lives here today. So let's, let's go ahead and read this here. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring its shame, and sat down in the right hand of the throne of God. This is a verse that is probably very familiar for you if you've grown up in the church. You've heard this. You've read this. But this morning, I want to pull out some things, four things that the author is kind of outlining for us and hoping that we can apply as we look at our spiritual work today. The first thing that he mentions is this idea of being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, anytime you see in the Bible the phrase, therefore, and then I go on to something, that therefore is a reason there's there, and it's there for a reason, and there you have to look back and see why he's saying therefore. And in the, the section right before this, he's, he's listing out all the, the great men and women of faith, the Noah, the Abraham, Moses, all these people, David, all these people who have journeyed and exercised moments of great faith. And for many of them, for all of them, really didn't see the fullness of what God has promised them until generations later. But they walked and through these things and exercised great faith. And he lists this whole litany of, of people who have gone before. And I think the, the message that out of that that I think we want to take, or I want to present to you anyway, is that you're not alone in your walk. There are things and there are times in our spiritual journeys that we feel alone, Right? And we feel that the things I'm struggling with, no one really, really understands. No one really knows what it's like to walk the shoes I'm walking. And I feel alone. And it's, it can be, a very, uh, can be very disheartening. And very like, even though I'm in a crowd of Christians that mean well, I feel alone. And I think what the author is saying in this time with perseverance and running this race is you're not alone. There are people that have walked the journey that you have walked. There are people that have lived through and exercised extraordinary faith before you, around you, and their testimony, their stories are a crowd of witnesses 
They're the audience around you, cheering you on, saying you can do it because you're not alone. The second thing that he brings out in this um, writing to this early church is let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This, I love this word, everything, everything that hinders. The idea that, that there are a lot of, do you ever hear that saying, the enemy of best is good? All right? It's not necessarily bad things, evil things, that kind of thing. The enemy of best is good. And there are a lot of good things. But in order to run the race, just like an athlete needs to be focused and trained, there are a lot of good things they need to give up. There's a lot of good things that hold them back. And the same thing in our journey. There's a lot of good things out there, but they aren't the best. They're not helping us run the race. Just like an athlete, I mean, they're, they're weighing their shoes to get them as light as possible, the clothes, aerodynamics, every little, little thing to give them that edge or to be able to even compete. And the same thing in our lives. Do we, are we willing to throw off everything that hinders our walk, that hinders our being able to step into a better or a deeper relationship with Jesus and with God and walk with him. And the sin that so easily entangles, that little sin that we hang on to. If you've walked with Christ for a while, you probably know what I'm talking about already. It's that little sin that it's not a big sin, and there's people that sin worse, right? And for, for a lot of us, we, we've made excuses about it so long that we really don't even think of it as sin anymore because it's really not that bad, and we can excuse it away. For, for a lot of men, it, it can be pornography. The idea of, I can control this. It's just a little bit. It's really not that bad. No one else even needs to know. No one else does know. Not a big deal. We can control it. And we, it doesn't really affect my, me or my marriage it's that little sin that we hold on to. Maybe it's gossip. And we don't call it gossip, do we? No, it's, it's a prayer request, right? Just, I'm sharing this because I care. And I just want to, you know, that you can pray about this too. Did you know that this is happening? And so that you can pray about it. And, or there's even the idea of like, well, I, I just want to be the person in the know, right? Like, I don't want to be the one in the room that doesn't know what's happening. So, and I want people to come to me to find out what's happening. So, it, it's not really gossip, is it? We make up these excuses, and it's a sin that entangles. It's a sin that we need to throw off in order to run the race well. And there are some things that we need to throw off that we've been holding on to too long. And there are some things that we want to try to get rid of that God won't allow because he's using them to sharpen us and to strengthen us. But we want to get rid of them, right? For my story, it's a story of grief. Like, I want to experience the joy of the Lord. I don't want to experience grief. But that is a journey that God has me on in different phases. And I remember early on, it was about two years ago, my wife had passed away with uh, cancer. And early on, it was about four months afterwards, the kids were at, at uh, working. Uh, I was at home alone. It was a Saturday night. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to a worship service uh, at a local church. They, they're kind of known. They have like a, you know, an hour of worship before the message. And I'm like, you know, I just want to soak in the presence of God and 
go, go to a church that I don't have to feel like I need to worry about technology and all the, you know, all the stuff that's in there just to be able to go and just soak in the presence of God. So I went, and, and as normal, and as Ben did even this morning, you know, there's this encouragement to kind of gather, and here we are. This is why we're here. Let's focus on Jesus here this morning. And Ben, you worded everything great this morning, and so did the other worship leader, and he, he said it in a way that, that I know that I've said it, so I'm not throwing any stones, but he said it a little bit different than Ben did this morning. He said, that, yeah, as you come today, those burdens that you're carrying, let's set them down and so that we can focus on Jesus, and he meant well. But I was in a place that I couldn't throw it off. It was part of who I was. I had to come to the cross with it, not setting it aside. It was, I would like to set it aside. I want to set it aside. I felt that it was holding my walk back, that I can't run the victorious, abundant life that God has planned for us, right? Because the grief was that raw and hard. But it was something that God was using and is continuing to use. And Paul writes about it in Romans 5, 4. He says, where we're we supposed to glory in our suffering, because our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces a godly character, and godly character produces hope, the ultimate. So there's, there's things that in our lives that we need to throw off. There's things that we need to, there's sins that we need to easily entangle in order to run the race well. But there are things that God might have placed in your life and situations and valleys in your life right now that God has placed you purposely to strengthen you in order to grow, in order to run the race even better than you've been running it. The third thing that, that the author brings out to this early persecuted church, it says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. To run with perseverance, to have this idea that it's a long journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And there's times in my spiritual life where there's that sprint mentality of like, I can just push through this quickly. I can just grow quickly and then I, I run out of endurance. Like I'm just tired and I can't keep going the way, the pace that I was going. And this idea of having a long view in mind and a cognitively awareness of the, where I'm at. Athletes understand their past, the present, and their future goals. They understand, they're not just future goal-oriented forget the past. They know the work that it takes. They know their bodies. They know what they need. They know where they're at now. They're realistic with where they're at, and they know where they're going. And we, too, need to understand why we are the way that we are right now in our faith. Why do we struggle with the things that we struggle with? What in our past has set that up, and what in our present has set that up? And to deal with those things in order to then have the long haul and persevere and to keep running and keep pressing on. But there are obstacles to perseverance, right? There's obstacles to this long run and this long journey that we're on as a Christian follower. And there are the, the biggest one is comfort, right? There's a reason I don't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go run. It's not comfortable, right? Can I get an amen out of that, right? You know, I mean, it's not, it, there's a reason. It's comfort. You know, sleeping is so much better, right? And just to set the record straight, to be honest, and I've never done that. I've never got up at 4 o'clock and ran. But if I would have, I, I, no, right? Like, no, it's comfort. And in our spiritual walk, it's the same way. 
We're comfortable with where we're at. We're comfortable in lukewarm, everything's okay, nothing's being shaken right now. We're okay. Let's keep it here. Let's not change anything. And there might even be things that we know are wrong or we know that are bad, but we know them. There might be relationships. There might be the choices that we make that we know are not healthy. They, we know they're not moving us on to a better place, but we know them. And if we want to move into something new or something different, there's unknown. There's fear of the unknown, and we're not sure we want that. And in Christian language, we talk about, I don't want to go back to Egypt. In the time with the Israelites, you know, we're out in the desert and complaining like, you know, it'd be better to go back and be a slave than be out here because they weren't yet in the promised land. And there's times in our walk where we feel that way, where it's like, no, I'm more comfortable here. I don't want to grow and stretch into that because I'm comfortable. Another reason why we might want to give up is because sometimes there's just so much happening around us. We're bombarded there's weeds growing, choking us out. There's just stuff happening all the time, and we're just tired. And so we want to give up because it's just too much. And let, let's, whoa, just stop. And there are times where we want to give up because we're doing all the right things. We're, we're persevering in our devotions and our habits, our spiritual habits of get tithing and giving, and, and we're um, praying, and we're in a word, and, the word, and nothing's happening. The person is still sick that we've been praying for healing. The marriage is still struggling, falling apart, even though I'm doing the right things, and it's tempting to give up during those times, but this writer's saying, run the race with perseverance, with the end in mind. And another reason sometimes we want to give up, or we do give up, is because we blame others around us. We say, well, if, you know, my parents didn't do this or did that, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Or if, you know, my employer did this or my spouse did this, it's their fault. If the church did this, my spiritual life would be better. It's really the church's fault. I'm going to find another church. Athletes take time, and they take ownership of their journey, of where they're at. And I believe that's true of us as well. As we run the race with the per perseverance, we need to take ownership of our faith journey, our faith walk. The fourth thing that he mentions in this is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, and he adored the cross, scorned and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Having this forward focus, and I appreciate Ben, especially the songs this morning, focusing on the cross and what Jesus did for us. That's why we sing those songs in the morning as part of our worship, to keep our focus on, on Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. He had all authority, all power. He called down angels. He could do whatever. But for love, he suffered and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him to be able to make a right relationship between God and us. And he did that. And where we put our focus on is where we will go, right? You ever teach a new driver sometime and, you know, they're driving down the road and they look off to the side of the, you know, cow in the field? What happens? They, they drift over. Uh, if you're riding motorcycle, it's one thing they train you and teach you to do of you and going around corners. Don't look at the corner. Don't look in front of you. Look where you want to go. You will naturally go there. And the same is true in our faith walk. 
we might have things and joys before us, and we, they might be good things. It might be career things. There might be um, good, godly, or good things, but it's not Jesus Christ, and we'll start drifting. Even though we have faith, we'll start drifting towards meeting those goals rather than Jesus and what he called us to be doing. I remember, um, I mean, have you ever had a joy set before you that didn't turn out to be a joy? <laughs> uh, vacations, right? You know, can't wait for vacations coming up. Ten weeks, nine weeks, you know, I'm going to post it on Facebook. Eight weeks, you know, I'm out of here, we're going on vacation, woo! Yeah, you get there and the house isn't what it was supposed to be and it rains all week and the kids and family are fighting and you're tired and you come home more tired than what you left and your workload was not done or done worse and now you got to redo it. It would have been better for you just to stay home and you're like, what in the world? That joy that was set before me did not pan out. I remember uh, starting out, I remember, man, once I make 10 bucks an hour, life got it made, right? Like, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be rich, but I was going to be comfortable, right? You know, just newly married, I was making like 9.30, I'm like, 10 bucks, yeah, I'll be there. You know what happened when I reached 10 bucks, right? Maybe 11 bucks. Yeah, you know what happened, 11, 12, maybe 15, Never ended, never got there kind of thing. You know, it, it's that journey when we have our joy set before us on wrong things. It never, it's just, yeah, it's so empty. Even if we do get there, we find that it's not empty. If it's not centered on Jesus Christ, on loving one another, his commands to love your neighbor as yourself, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to surrender to him, to focus and, and to be reminded of our sinfulness, that we're broken uh, before him. So this morning, I invite you and I ask you, as you, especially as you watch the Olympics in the next couple weeks, and hear those stories that kind of, you know, in, connect with you, um, engage in them, have fun with that, but also think about your faith journey, your faith walk. Are you walking with perseverance? Are you mindful that you're not alone, that you are surrounded, that you're not alone? Are you throwing off those things that hinder you? Are you willing to throw off those things? Are you running with perseverance in mind? Are you settling back into just melancholy and lukewarmness? And are your eyes fixed on the right target? And there's a question I would like to give you here this morning to help you kind of as you're making, navigating life kind of thing. It's not what would Jesus do. I mean, that would kind of worked a little bit. Um, but uh, it's, I think this question of will it help me run has been helpful for framing some of the decisions and some of the stuff in my life. That conversation that I'm thinking about having, will it help me run? That decision to purchase this or that, will it help me run? That attitude that I have right now, is it helping me run? What I'm about to say, will it help me run? What am I about to do next? Will it help me run? So I encourage you to use that question as a way to continue to run the race that we're called to run into. The writer of this letter continues in um, writing and I know that scholars don't agree on who wrote the letter. 
I'm going to throw out that it was a father that wrote it. The reason I'm going to say that is because of the logic of why he's saying, keep on running, keep on running, keep persevering, keep pushing through. His logic in the next section is because like, is, you're not dead yet. Right? I mean, doesn't that sound like a father? Like a mother would be like, oh, no, you didn't do that. You know, a father's like, you're not dead yet. Get up and keep moving. Like, what's going on? Right? I love it. I mean, this is a persecuted church. They're being imprisoned. They're being separated from the family because they say that Jesus Christ is the only way. And not only just saying Jesus Christ is the only way, they're saying, you know, all other ways won't get you to the Father, won't get you to heaven. Like everything else is, is just deceit or it's a cheap imitation. And they were getting persecuted from the government and persecuted from the religious side because they were saying Jesus Christ is the only way. And his, his encouragement is like, you're not dead yet. They didn't kill you. Keep on moving. Keep on pressing on. Keep on running. And I just love that imagery there. And it sounds so much like a father to me anyway. Um, and he continues and says, the Lord disciplines those he loves and kind of talks about this, this uh, being disciplined. But he wraps up this encouragement to this church in this, this chapter. And in Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, and I want to read it out of the Living Bible Version because I like the way that they translated this and put it into words for us. And he gives the reason why we need to, why it's important that we run this race and not just settle back. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Stand firm on your shaky legs and mark out a straight, smooth path for your feet so that And I don't know about you, but if I were the writer of that, that's so that would be, so you can, when you hear, when you die and you go to heaven, you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Like, that's my goal. That's what I want to hear. That's the so that, right? But this writer goes in a different direction. He says, so that those who follow you, the weak and lame, will not fail and hurt themselves, but become strong. It's others centered. You running your journey well is not just about you and your relationship with God. It is, but it's not just about that. Your, the way that you run your race, the way that I run my faith journey will impact generations to come, whether I like it or not, whether it's in good ways or it might be in bad ways. It will impact future generations. The way that you walk through things can make things easier for someone who has to then walk through it, or it can make it more difficult. Our decisions, our choices, our actions impact those around us now, but for generations to come as well. And I know for many of you, myself included, I have a heritage, a rich faith heritage, and I'm grateful for that. I don't probably think about it as much and be as grateful as I should be about that. But there are a lot of things that I don't have to struggle with that some people have to struggle with and overcome because of the faith of my parents, my grandparents, my great parents, and so forth. Our journey matters. Our journey of running with excellence matters. To not just settle in and be okay and just kind of like, eh, it's all right, I'm a lukewarm kind of just thing, but to press on to keep running because you're not dead yet. Right? So whatever we're doing, will it help me run?
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this reminder here this morning from this writer who encourages the early church, but yet we take that encouragement to our lives and apply it to our lives here today in our journey, our faith journey with you. Help us to run this race well, to remember that we're not alone, to throw off those sins that, that hold us and those things that easily tether us and keep us from truly engaging with you. To run with perseverance, with a long view in mind, being mindful of our past, cognitively aware of our present, our future goals, and to have our eyes fixed on you. To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To follow your lead, your example that you laid on the cross for us. To follow your uh, the principle to love the Lord our God with all our heart and to love our neighbor as our son. Help us to run this race. Give us encouragement this morning to run that race. Because we know that it will affect those around us as well. And that we can be springs of living water in a desert to those around us because of you planting those wells in those dry places. Thank you for the story you're writing in our lives. Thank you for everyone who is here and how great your love is for us. In Jesus' name I pray.